Welcome to the Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now, your host, Rick Hughes. Morning, and welcome to the Flatline. I'm your host, Rick Hughes, and for the next few minutes, I'd like to invite you to stay with me. You know this, it will be 30 minutes of motivation, some inspiration, some education, and it is always done with no manipulation. That's right, no hidden agendas, no asking for money, not trying to sell you anything. We're not asking you to join up, fess up, give up. This show is just about you listening up, listening to me give you the truth from the Scripture, the Word of God. It's a monologue, not a dialogue, but I'm going to speak to you for the next few minutes. And if I can verify and identify God's plan, then you have the freedom and the privacy to orient and adjust to the plan. You have your own volition. God created you a special person. He gave you a soul. And inside your soul, you have mentality. And that means you can think, you can logic, you can reason. God gave you a a volition. And that means you can choose, just like Adam and Eve could choose in the garden. God gave you a conscience. And that conscience is where you house all of your norms and standards. The, uh, the principles and the precepts that you live by, norms and standards, these are all part of your soul. And so as you listen today, your mentality can discern if I'm lying or telling the truth. Your volition can make a decision on whether or not you want to obey what I'm suggesting. And your conscience may or may not agree with me. I don't know. But my job is simply to tell the truth, to tell it like it is. And I have been doing that for the past few weeks in our study where we have been studying about the fall of America and what's going on in this country today. We have called this study Discontent, Decline, and Destruction. And now we are into the destruction phase. I read a poem to you recently, and I'll read it again. It says, We call this our home, and we're here to stay. But it seems that our home is slipping away. Gone is our strength. This nation is weak. It seems we have reached that final peak. We've lost all morals, and there's no truth to be found. We're all leaving behind what is solid and sound. We've given away our freedoms, and we've fought and died for. That eagle has landed, and it may soar no more. We have turned away from the truth that we've known, And we may now reap the seeds that we've sown. Goodbye, America. Where are you? You turned your back on Jesus Christ, who's faithful and true. Never truer words were written. The United States of America is in a serious jam today. It doesn't take any genius to look at the trends of history and see what's going down. As a matter of fact, if you or watching the newspaper, or paying attention to the news, I know you are concerned. You're concerned about what may happen in the future. I gave you last week Solomon's warning, coming out of Proverbs chapter 1, verses 20 through verses 33. I'll go back and read part of it to you. I'll start with verse 24. Solomon said, Because I called and you refused, I stretched out my hand, and no one regarded. 
because you disdained all my counsel and would have none of my rebuke. I also will laugh at your calamity, and I will mock when your terror comes. When your terror comes like a storm and your destruction comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, they will seek me and call on me, but I won't answer. They will seek me diligently, but they won't find me, because they hated knowledge, and they did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would have none of my counsel, and they despised my every rebuke. Therefore they shall eat the fruit of their own ways, and be filled to the full with their own fancies. For the turning away of the simple will slay them, and the complacency of a fool will destroy him. But whoever listens to me will dwell safely, and will be secure without fear of evil. Two things to notice there that are clear. Negative volition is bound for destruction. And positive volition, whoever will listen to the word of God and learn it and apply it into his life, he will dwell safely and he will be secure without fear of evil. There's your answer. Should you be afraid, you don't have to be afraid. The Bible says, what time I'm afraid, I will trust in you. Solomon laid out the plan. And you can see this plan happening in America today. And this is what I want to go over with you today, some things to watch for. But I want to make something very clear, if I can. As goes the spiritual life of this nation, so goes the history of this nation. Now let me bring it down to a, another level. As goes your spiritual life, so goes the history of your nation. The only way out of what we're in today, the only way to reverse what's going on in America today, is for you to grow spiritually. The Bible gives some mandates like grow in the grace and the knowledge of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us to study to show thyself approved unto God, workmen that needeth not to be ashamed. Jesus said, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And then he said, Take my yoke and learn of me. Jesus said, Happiness belongs to those people who hear my Father's word and keep it. All prosperity in your life and in the future of the United States of America is based around obedience to the principles and the concepts taught in the word of God. Now, I know a lot of people distort those things and they turn them into things that are not really true. Some idiot may tell you you can't go to heaven if you eat M&Ms, and that's crazy. But people do weird things. But what I'm talking about are the simple doctrines that we've studied over and over in this radio show. For example, the doctrine of salvation. How does a person become a Christian? Well, the Bible simply says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You have quoted John 3.16 all your life, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You don't have to give up anything to become a Christian. You receive the free gift that God offers you. That's why the Bible says to as many as receive him, to them, God gave the right to be his children, even to them that just believe in his name. Becoming a Christian is you making a conscious decision 
to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. You recognize he's the Son of God, and you are willing to accept him as your Savior. It doesn't mean you have to quit all your sinning first because you're not ever going to do that. You have a genetically formed old sin nature. It came from Adam, and it will be with you until you die. When you get a resurrection body, then you won't have a sin nature anymore. But right now, you got it, and you will always have the ability to sin. That's why God gave us a way to recover from our sin in problem-solving device number one, which is the rebound technique. It is simply if we confess our sin, 1 John 1, 9, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to purify us from all of our wrongdoing. So sticking with the gospel of salvation, the good news, not that you have to join up and be baptized, not that you have to join up and promise you're never going to drink again, not that you have to join up and promise you're never going to smoke again. To become a believer in Jesus Christ is simply you doing what the Bible says. 1 John 5, 1, he that believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. How much simpler can that be? Then once you become a Christian, then the issue is always will you grow up? What do you do after you accept Christ? And that's where we have the ministry of God the Holy Spirit, and we have the ministry of the Word of God in your life, the living Word of God. Remember the verse that says the Word of God is alive and powerful. Alive and powerful. Sharper than a two-edged sword, yes. So as a Christian, when you allow the Holy Spirit to control your life, should you do that? Well, yeah, the Bible says walk in the Spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Well, that's a doctrine that's been assaulted because people try to tell you in order to walk in the Spirit, you've got to cross your eyes and foam at the mouth and beat a tambourine. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that you are indwelled by the Holy Spirit the moment you get saved in Ephesians 1, 12, and 13. And the Bible in Ephesians 5:18 says you can be filled with the Spirit. The Bible mandates not to grieve the Spirit and not to quench the Spirit. Well, how are we filled with the Spirit? It's simple. When you name any known sin to God, you move out from control of your sin nature and back under the control of the Holy Spirit. At any one time in your life, you're either carnal or spiritual. You're either under control of the flesh or under control of the Holy Spirit. There's no in-between. There's no gray area. It's not like, well, I'm almost in fellowship with God. Not quite. You are either in fellowship with God or you're out of fellowship with God. What's the difference? You either have unconfessed sin in your life or you have no unconfessed sin in your life. So if you learn how to be filled with the Spirit, then you understand that the Holy Spirit takes God's Word and uses it as you grow, as you learn it, as you metabolize the Word of God, as you feed on it, and converts that into the mind of Christ so that you begin to have a divine viewpoint thinking, which is characterized by an attitude of humility. And as you grow, you begin to represent Christ to your friends, and you begin to fulfill the plan of God for your life. 
These are key, basic doctrines. If you remember the story of Gideon, you know the Gideon Bible? Do you remember God needed only a handful of men to destroy an army of 60 plus thousand Midianites? I'm telling you, God doesn't need 30 or 40 million born-again believers to deliver this nation. But he needs you to get with it. He needs you to make the number one priority in your life that you will stay filled with the Holy Spirit every day and that you will take time every day to listen to the teaching of the Word of God. There are a lot of ways you can do it. You can get uh, my radio shows and listen to them. We can provide you with over 500 shows, but I'm not your pastor. There are pastors that are very qualified men, and their studies are available free of charge. And you can order them and sit at home in the privacy of your home, open your Bible, sit down at the table, get a notebook, and study every morning or study every evening. That's exactly what I do at my house. So, I mean, it's up to you. If you want to grow, if you want to be the man or the woman that God intends for you to be, that's how you will become that person. Not by going forward and rededicating your life every revival you have. Not by promising God that you're never going to do that again and then you do it again and feel guilty about it. But by doing what the Bible says, grow in the grace and the knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As I talk to people about God and about the Bible, I hear so many weird concepts, so many different and strange and foreign things that have nothing to do with the Bible. And most of them are dealing with emotion and making people feel close to God by manipulating their emotions. So here's the verse I want you to remember. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. Hold fast, hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me. And this is Paul speaking to Timothy. Hold fast the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you, keep it by means of the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. So there Paul is telling Timothy, the only way you can live is to allow the Holy Spirit to empower you. We start out with the word hold fast. That is a verb in the Greek New Testament pronounced echo, E-C-H-O. And it means to hold on to or to keep in your possession. And by the way, if we do the morphology of that verb, it is an imperative mood verb. In the Greek, that means this is not an asking. This is not a suggestion. This is a command. This is the imperative mood command from the Apostle Paul to Timothy and applicable to you and to me. Hold fast what? The pattern of sound words the pattern of sound words. That word pattern is a template. It's the template of the spiritual life. It's the the sketch of the spiritual life. Peter put it this way. In 1 Peter 3, 8, 
be ye all of one mind, be ye all on the same page. In other words, he's saying, so as a Christian, there's only one pattern we're to follow, one template that we are to allow us to be cut into his image. Listen to Peter again, 1 Peter 2.21, for to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. The word example is an interesting Greek word. It's the word hupogramos, and it means a template. The life of Jesus Christ is our template. And if we, by means of the power of the Holy Spirit, put on the Word of God, it will cut us into his image as a template cuts out a piece of steel in a stamping process. God's Word will cut you into the image of Jesus Christ. So the point is this. We have the pattern of Paul and his encouraging to Timothy. We have the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what is so new and different now? that would cause you to do something strange and weird that's not in the Bible. It would cause you to follow some person who has good looks or good charming personality or whatever, and you walk away from what is in the past, the sound words that you learned. There are six things that I want to tell you to watch for. Six things that are indications that our nation is in decline. And the reason you'll be able to recognize these things is because believers in the Lord Jesus Christ in this nation, in client nation USA, have not held fast to the sound pattern. They haven't held fast the sound doctrines that have been taught. They've moved away from them. They have changed their thinking, and they have begun to focus on emotional worship. And so here are some things to watch for, things that are indication that America, our nation, is in decline. Number one, I think you will see maybe never again someone like Billy Graham. I think mass evangelism may be long gone. And number two, I think well-qualified pastors, men who go to seminary, men who learn the Greek and the Hebrew of the language, I think they will cease, and I think that will be due to the invasion of emotion in religion and pseudo-spiritual advancements in the Christian life, telling you that you can go to some camp or you can go to some retreat and you can get really close to God and you can have an emotional experience or, as the Greeks used to call it, a catharsis or a purging of your emotion. That doesn't make you a better Christian. What makes you a better Christian is day by day, week by week, month by month, learning God's Word and applying it. You don't grow to be a spiritually mature Christian at one camp or one week or one year. It's a lifetime. It's putting on the template and letting God the Holy Spirit cut you into the image of Jesus Christ. That is not being taught today. The third thing you can watch for is that Christians, born-again believers, will be divided, demonized, discouraged as the cosmic system gains momentum. 
The cosmic system is the lure of the world, the zeitgeist. And as it spins around, Christians and, and the Christian religion are demonized, divided, discouraged, marginalized. Until now, you might not even want to tell someone you're a Christian because if you do, they're going to roll their eyes and say, oh, you're one of them God-thump book type people. You're one of those God-thumpers, aren't you? And so you're almost afraid to tell people, I'm a born-again believer. Jesus Christ is my Savior because you're afraid of what they'll think about you. Another thing you'll see is antagonism, antagonism towards Christians. And it's going to rise to levels like you've never seen before. Again, you will see number five, support for Israel decline in America. Less and less standing behind the nation Israel. And number six, you will see missionary activity and it will change. And it will then turn into short-term visits to foreign countries. It will develop into organizations dedicated to feeding the hungry and housing the poor. There will be less and less where a missionary goes to that country, sets up shop, lives there, leads those people to Christ, translates the Bible into their language, raises up a local church and a pastor, and sees that those indigenous people begin to grow in grace. That's what a missionary does. He goes and stays with those people. He doesn't take a two-week mission trip and come home. Now, here are some things you can do. Number one, when you see these things happen, don't get discouraged. Remember that Jesus Christ controls history. Number two, don't look at the circumstances. Always focus on the solution. And number three, don't speculate. Just articulate the solution. Articulate. Here's a question. I asked someone this recently. If the Lord Jesus Christ returned today and walked down the streets of your town, what do you think he would say? And they came up with some suggestions. And I said, guess what? He's already back and he's living in you. When you walk down the street of your town, you are Christ. Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live. It's Christ that lives in me. <laughs> Do you see that? When the Jews said, show us the Father, and Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And someone says, show us Christ. You can say, if you've seen me, you've seen Christ. Colossians 1.27. Christ in you, the hope of glory. 2 Corinthians 13.5, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourself that Jesus Christ is in you? We are to replicate his thinking. Philippians 2.5, let this mind be in you. It was also in Christ Jesus. That's how people can identify you. You think differently. You don't think in terms of human viewpoint. You think in terms of divine viewpoint. And then you can represent his intent. His intent, what do I mean? Luke 19.10, Jesus said, For the Son of Man has come, that's his intent, to seek and save that which was lost. Christ came into the world 
1 Timothy 1.15, to save sinners. That's what you are to represent, his intent. Represent him to a lost generation by assuming his mentality, the way he thought, and his intentionality, the things that he came to do. But if you can't do that, if you don't understand that, then what you wind up doing is not preserving your nation. You wind up being hooked into something that looks like the real thing, even sounds like the real thing, but it's all a distraction. What about you? Look back into your Christian life for a minute with me, will you? Have you grown spiritually? Do you know more about the Bible today than you did 10 years ago? Do you feel closer to God today than you did 10 years ago? Is it because you've been going to church, but you've been getting the same old stuff? Or you've been getting that new stuff, that clap, clap, thump, thump stuff, and you go away not ever really having learned anything? You must learn. You must grow. You must become the person that God intended for you to be. Because if you don't, then you can kiss this country goodbye. You must not compromise your conscience to meet with the culture. You must live by biblical norms and standards called divine viewpoint in the Bible, and you've got to know what they are. They act as a red alert system in your life. That divine viewpoint, those norms and standards warn you when danger is coming, and they must be your core beliefs. They must be the foundation of your life. They are necessary for you to function in the society, and they have to be learned from the Bible so that if you are asked to compromise your standards, if you're asked to blend in with the culture, you won't do it. I spoke with a person today who's one of their immediate family. Um, they, they've been ostracized by their family because they did not go to a wedding. Of course, the wedding was two men, and uh, this particular person didn't go to support that. And so that person's sibling was upset that they didn't come to support her son's wedding. And it was a big event. When Jesus said he came to divide, he set house against house, mother against daughter, son against father. This is what the Word of God does. It divides. When you stand for the principles found in the Word of God without being self-righteous and pointing a finger, it's not up to you to tell anybody they're going to heaven or hell. It's up to God to handle that. But you must have norms and standards. You must be a light in a dark world. You must grow. You must stay filled with the Spirit. You must replicate the life of Christ with his, menta with his mentality and his intentionality. And if that's not happening, you are not delivering this nation. You are going into the decline with everybody else. You're listening today. You're paying attention today. It's not an accident. I hope you're learning. There's a lot more to say, and if you need anything answered, write to me, call me, whatever. We'll give you all the information you can handle. Until next week, this is your host, Rick Hughes, saying thank you for listening to The Flotline. 
Thank you for listening to The Floodline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, please write to him at P.O. Box 100, Cropwell, Alabama, 35054, or online at www.rickhughesministries.org.